Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. You know, when Joel was talking, I I thought of a scripture that uh, just excites me in Ephesians 4, verse 7, it says that God has given grace to each and every one of us as Christ has apportioned it. I want you to think about that. God has given grace to each and every one of us. The word in Greek is um, hikosto. It means every single one of us gets to play. And so we've been doing this series, this relaunch series. How many of you have been challenged by the relaunch series? Has it stretched you a little bit? Well, good. We're going to stretch you even more today because we're going to be talking about the, the title of this message is, how do I, how do I personally advance the kingdom of God? I would say if we took all the messages we've had, they've all kind of been leading up to this point. We're saying, what is my kingdom calling? God, what have you uniquely called me to do here on planet earth? And so that's what we're gonna talk about tonight is what is my kingdom calling? But there are a couple of other questions, I think, that actually precede that question. The first one is, what is the kingdom of God? You know, growing up, I've collected a lot of definitions of what the kingdom of God is. Uh, for over 30 years, I've been asking that question, what is the kingdom of God? And John Wimber back in the uh, 80s, he said, you know, the kingdom of God is the dynamic, um, what, what did he say? Well, he said, it's the dynamic rule and reign of God. It's the basilea, the dynamic rule and reign of God. And I thought, ah, oh, for years, the dynamic rule and reign of God. And that's a good definition. And then I picked up another one, the manifestation of God's ruling presence. I thought, ah, oh, it's even better. The manifestation of God's ruling presence. Tonight, I wanna give you a really, really simple definition. How many of y'all like simple? I like simple. I think you can remember this one. Here, here's my definition of the kingdom of God. Actually, this is Creflo Dollar's definition of the kingdom of God. It's God's way of doing things. Can you get that? It's the way God does things. It's the way God intends things to be. That's what the kingdom of God is. And that's why every one of us gets to play because he really, really, really wants us in the game. You know, from the very beginning, this whole idea of this advancing kingdom of God has always been in the heart of God. If you go back to Genesis 1, from the very beginning, you will, you will see Father, Son, Holy Spirit doing their thing. The Father is speaking forth creation in the word of God. Jesus is extending from him. The Holy Spirit is brooding over the earth like a mother hen brooding over her chicks. And you see this relationship between Father, Son, Holy Spirit, But then by verse 26, the sixth day is completed and mankind has been created. And guess what that verse says? It says that God created mankind in his own likeness, in our own likeness and image. It says it in the next verse too. And it says the reason why God created mankind was firstly that we might join in oneness with him, that we get to to join the party with Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We get to be a part of that. I mean, you think that's a good idea? That's, That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? But he goes on, he says, listen, I've created you to be, these are my words, the viceroys of planet earth. That means you're the representatives. We represent God on planet earth. He said, you're gonna have dominion or rule over the birds in the air and the fish 
in the water and all the livestock. And he, he names all these things. He says, the whole purpose for mankind's creation is that the kingdom of God would continue to advance. And I'm gonna get a drink real quick. So that's what the kingdom of God is. It's God's way of doing things. It's, it's his government in action. Another definition is this, it's grace in action. You know, we've talked about grace a lot. God apportioned grace to each and every one of them as Jesus distributed it. Grace is the empowering presence of God in our lives. It's the action that God wants us in the game. So question number two is this, so how do I enter into this kingdom of God? Well, let's take a look at uh, Mark chapter one, verse 15. We're gonna look at the that next few verses. It says, Jesus, this is Jesus' very first message. And you'll hear me speak this over and over again because this was Jesus's reason for coming to planet earth. He says, the time has come. How many of you know that word time is important? God's timing matters. That word time is kairos, the fullness of time, a moment in time when everything changes. How many of you know when Jesus showed up on planet earth, everything changed? Everything shifted. The incarnation, God came as man. It all shifted. Jesus saying, listen, I want you to get it. The time has come. And then he says, the kingdom of God, the way God does things has come near. He's saying the king has come into town. He says, the king has come near you. So here's, here's your response. Repent and believe the good news. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, listen, you're gonna have to change your whole way of thinking if you're gonna get in on this kingdom initiative because it's gonna be so radically different than anything you've ever done before. You're gonna have to so align your thinking with God that it's gonna seem really weird. It's gonna be counterintuitive to everything else the world is doing. How many feel that way sometimes? You feel like life is pretty counterintuitive. How many right now, just looking at things that's, that are going on on planet Earth would say, things look pretty screwed up to me. How many of you know that God's perspective is a tad different than ours? He's saying things look really, really good for a miracle. Things look really, really right for my people to be the solution to the world's problems, okay? He looks at things so radically different than us and he says, you're gonna have to change your whole way of thinking if you're gonna step into the kingdom of God. I, I can't get as close to the edge as Joel, so I'm just gonna back away from the cliff here. He says, the second thing is, you're gonna have to trust me. See, when God begins to reveal his kingdom ways, they're so counterintuitive that the first thing we want to do is run to security. We want to run to familiarity. We want to run to what is comfortable. But he says, no, you're gonna have to trust me. You're gonna have to trust your life to this new life that I've opened up for you. See, a lot of times we look at our kingdom salvation as when I gave my life to Jesus or when I invited Jesus into my life, can I tell you what it really is? It's when Jesus gave his life and said, look, come in and join the real life. Come join this life of the kingdom. Your whole life, your old existence, the old Steve wasn't so hot. Give it up and come step in to who I created you to be. And so that's the message Jesus gave. Can I tell you the reason why I say you gotta understand the kingdom and how we enter the kingdom because the way we enter the kingdom by repenting and by trusting is the way we live and advance the kingdom message, okay? So let's look at the question, how do I personally advance the kingdom of God? And look at the next verses because Jesus kind of gives the key. In Mark 1, 16 
and through 18. He says, so Jesus, after he's given this declaration, he walks beside the Sea of Galilee. You often find Jesus hanging out with fishermen, hanging out with everyday folks. And he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net in the lake for they were fishermen. That's their job. That's what they do. They just are fishermen. And he continues on, he says, hey guys, come, follow me and, and I will send you out to fish for people. Now there, there's a hint in there when Jesus says, I'm gonna call you to myself and you're gonna have a job of fishing for people. You know what he's saying? Listen, you, what you have been equipped to do, the things you love to do, the things that you're good at are the very things I'm going to use you to do for bigger purposes than you ever imagined. See, one of our problems is we have too small of a kingdom. You know what I mean? We think of a churchy kingdom. How many of you know that the, the kingdom of God is larger than the church? It's larger than Sozo. I don't want to hurt your feelings. I love Sozo, but the kingdom is larger than that. And God wants every single person to play, everyone in the game. He looks at these fishermen and he says, listen, come follow me and you'll get to play. Look at that last verse here. Here's their response. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. Are you an at once person? Are you a kind of a slow brew mullet over person? Ain't nothing wrong with either one. You know, I'm a little more of a slow brewer. I got to figure it out a little bit. I got to think about it. I probably would have said, well, I don't know, Jesus. I'll get back to you. Can I tell you, in the kingdom of God, you can miss the whole deal if you're a, if you're a I'll get back to you kind of person. When the Spirit of God begins to move and he begins to speak to you, even this morning or this afternoon, as, as the Spirit of God has begun to spoke, re, repent, reline, join him, and I guarantee you won't regret it. You won't regret it. So that, that's the first thing he says, just follow me and I'm gonna take the things that are in your heart and I'm gonna expand those things in you and I'm gonna give you favor like you've never, ever, ever realized. So I want you to see, whenever we get this call from God to follow him and the call is there for all of us, he says, I've equipped you with keys keys to the kingdom. Over in Matthew 16, he says, I've given you keys to the kingdom and we're not gonna go there just yet. He said, and these keys are gonna, are gonna authorize you to unlock and to uh, uh, unlock, open up and lock up spheres of influence everywhere. Did you understand what I'm saying? He said, I'm giving you kingdom authority to open up spheres of influence that you don't even have a dream about yet. And so the problem is that we don't have an idea just how enormous the kingdom of God is. I believe, and I wanna give you a different way of looking at our whole pandemic world that we're living in. I really believe this is a, a Kairos moment. It's a moment in time where everything is shifting. And I, I just wanna say to, to Joel, I don't know where he's at, but, but Joel heard God in this relaunch initiative. Can I, can I tell you how counterintuitive this is? I meet with pastors all the time and they're wringing their hands because they are not meeting together and they're thinking, oh, this is really, really bad. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? And Joel said, hey, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna prepare. We're gonna prepare to relaunch. We're gonna prepare to take ground. We're gonna prepare to be used by God for his kingdom. 
do things God's way. And so that's what's going on. So in the midst of problems, in the midst of circumstances of our world, God's preparing people for the solutions to those problems. Can I hear that? Can you hear that? What if you saw your situation, your loneliness, your fear, your whatever you're going through, whatever you're feeling right now, as the reality is God is preparing you right now to be the answer for what's going on. You know, I think God is really giving us a wake-up call. He is, he is waking us up because he really does want to put some, some Daniels on the scene. You remember Daniel? Dan, Daniel had authority. He was, a, he, he was a POW in Babylon. That's the reality. But, but the truth is he rose to the very top of, the, of King Nebuchadnezzar's council. How many of y'all remember Joseph? Joseph, just a young kid, got this incredible prophetic word that, that uh, people were gonna bow down to him and, and uh, he was gonna be greatly lifted up and he wasn't too sharp at 17. He began to tell his brothers about that dream that he had and said, guess what? You guys are gonna bow down to me. And like most big brothers, they didn't, didn't get along with that too good. And they ended up selling him, putting him in a hole in a well, and then selling him into slavery. I don't know if they knew he would end up in slavery, but he is ending up actually in prison. The time between his prophetic word and the time of the reality of that was 13 years. Remember Saul of Tarsus? Saul of Tarsus had a word from God, ended up three years in Arabia and Damascus, 10 years in Tarsus, backside of nowhere, getting ready for his call, another 13 years. Some of you right now might be feeling like, you know what, I don't have any idea what's going on. Can I tell you what's going on? God is preparing you for a kingdom-sized appointment. God is getting you ready. He's, he wants you, maybe, maybe what, what you've missed out on is your appointment is larger than you thought. You know, Joseph missed his dream. He thought, well, I'm gonna raise up and be great in the house of Jacob. But can I tell you, that was not God's plan. He wanted him to be great for the whole world through the house of Pharaoh. I mean, that was beyond his, he couldn't compute that. Now, how in the world would that happen that I could end up here? And can I tell you, some of us right now are in the middle of the story. And what God is doing is beyond our comprehension. But it's our role to say, okay, God, with what's going on in my life, you show me what you're doing because I wanna do like, I want, I want my life to count. I wanna be like Joseph who started out on the periphery and ended up at the pinnacle, okay? And, and that's what God is doing. I think there are people that are going to raise to a position of authority that were never heard of before this whole pandemic. And there's others that are gonna topple. They're gonna fall during this time. It, it, it's just gonna happen. And so that's what's going on. So God's preparing us for big purposes. Philippians 2.13 says, it is God who is at work in you. That's a plural you, you and me, both to will and to do for his good pleasure, for his big purposes. So God's at work in us, even though we don't understand it. He's preparing us to use our authority in the world. I, I like what Lance Walnow says. He, he uh, is uh, the fellow who... Uh, developed a lot of the seven mountains of influence. And he said, you know, a lot of times God has to put, or, or all the time, uh, God puts the film in a dark room. In a dark room. When he wants to develop the picture, he's actually got to kind of uh, agitate the film in solution. 
in order to get the picture to come through. How many of you feel like you're in the dark room? How many feel like you're getting a little agitation going on here? Well, you know, Joel, Joel held up the book a while ago and all that, and that's, I'm excited about it. I really am. I'm excited about the message. But, but let me tell you a little bit about the preparation. The truth is, I was in full, full-time ministry for 36 years in preparation. And I was 57 years old when God gave that grace to write the first book. But can I tell you, there's an acceleration now because in less than a year, I'm 58 and the second book is out and there are more to come. Can I tell you, the preparation time is just what it is. It's the preparation time. But don't be uh, premature and don't hold back too long because God wants to release us for such a time as this. Amen? And so I, I think that's what's happening. And I think a lot of us are kind of freaking out about the darkness. It's dark. Let's be honest. It's dark, right? Can we say it's dark? It's okay. I mean, I, I kind of like dark when I'm sleeping. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It's wake-up time. Because God is saying, you know why there's darkness? Darkness comes when there's a vacuum of light. When light's not shining brightly, guess what happens? gets dark. That's why Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and they glorify my Father in, in heaven. You know what he's saying, that word good works? That's not charitable deeds. That's not good churchy things. You went to church and you did a lot of good work. That's not what that's talking about. You know what it's talking about? Excellence in vocation. Excellent in the work that you do. Excellence in your craftsmanship. Excellent in everywhere you go, you carry the kingdom of God with you. And there's such an excellence about you that people go, wow, the glory of God's on you. And I see the glory of God through you. How do I get to be a part of that? What are you doing? Tell me the story. And it opens a door for you to bring the bigger story of the kingdom of God. But it comes by being who you are, where you are, whether you're fishing, plumbing, doing whatever you're doing. And, and so we freak out about it, but really what we should be thinking is, how, how do we position ourselves in proximity to the darkness? Some of you don't think that way. Most of us don't think that way. We want to get away from the darkness. You know who thought that way? Jesus. Let's, let's take a look at Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Some of you will remember this story. Simon Peter answered. Jesus had asked the question to his disciples, okay? We'll set it up. He had asked the question. He says, okay, you're telling me who everybody else thinks I am, who they, you know, they see me to be. Who do you, who do you think that I am? And I just kind of visualize the group, you know, one of those just terrible small group moments. Jesus and his 12, and everybody's, you know, ministering to their shoes. You know, ain't nobody wants to answer you know, you've been in groups like that, right? When somebody asks the question, you're going, no, don't pick me, don't pick me. But thankfully, Simon Peter was in the group. Simon Peter, when there was absolutely nothing to be said, Simon Peter said something, right? And he's going he's to talk. And so Simon Peter just blurts it out there, and he says, you're the Christ, the anointed one. You're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And everybody just went, Simon Peter? You know, and then Jesus said to, to Simon Peter in the next verse, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. This was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. You, you didn't get this one on your own, Peter, but by my Father in heaven. 
the Holy Spirit gave that one to you. And you could almost see the rest of that guy's going, yeah, yeah. And a lot of them are thinking, oh man, he had the courage to say it, but we didn't have it. Can I tell you? We've got to go for it like Simon Peter. And so it continues on in the next verse. Jesus says, listen, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a picture, a snapshot of reality. I'm going to change your whole perspective and perception on everything. He says, I tell you that you are Peter, Petros, little rock. And on this rock, Petra, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And he goes on and he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. He didn't say, I'm going to give you the keys to the church. He said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven or will have already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. He said, you're going to have authority to bring heaven to earth. You're going to have authority through the keys of the kingdom to do all these things. Now, what's going on here? First of all, Jesus is being recognized as the Christ, the anointed one, okay? The second thing that's going on here is that he unveils the church's assignment. He said, what is our assignment? To get close proximity to the gates of Hades, right? And he says, listen, the church is to be built on this rock. I can almost see him pointing to this rock. You know what this rock was? I don't think he was pointing to himself. Where are they at? They're at Mount Her uh, Hermon. They're at, they're at the foot of Mount Hermon. And there's this rock. It's called the Rock of the Gods. And at the, there's a little jut out of the cliff. And underneath that were all kinds of shrines of worship to Pan, the God of Pan, which was half goat, half human. Uh, there was worship to Caesar and to a nemesis, a fertility God. And Jesus is saying, upon this rock where all of this horrible stuff to false gods takes place, on this rock, I'm gonna build my kingdom. Hello? I got one person who's ready to go with me. He says, and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, will not prevail against it. He's saying, listen, the very places that we need to situate ourselves are the very places where the enemy has illegally taken over. He's illegally come in and set up an outpost. He's illegally used the authority he doesn't have because we've abdicated our authority and has set up things that now we're whining and complaining about. Uh-oh. And so I, I can almost see Jesus saying to them, listen, this, this uh, rock, this, there, it, there's a cave that goes around behind it. And there's, there's this, it was called the, um, or, or the gates were called the gates of Hades were, were known as is where um, Baal would go in. And there, there's all kind of super, but it, it was, Stuff that was, was exalting the enemy. The enemy had encroached in the gates of the mountain, okay? So now there's another story in the scripture in, in 1 Samuel, verses 9 and 10, about a guy who was about to be anointed. Does anybody remember who that guy was? It's Saul. 
Saul is looking for his daddy's donkeys, okay? Just an ordinary guy. He was taller than everybody else, but he's an ordinary guy. Looking for his daddy's donkeys, and guess what happens? He has a divine intersection with God's prophet, Samuel. Samuel says to him, listen, listen. And he heard the voice of God, and God said, tell this man, go out and anoint this man, Saul, as the first king of Israel. So he anoints Saul as the king. Now guess what his first assignment was? It was to go to a mountain that was filled with a Philistine outpost. He was to go to a place, the Gibeah, the, the Gibeah of God, the God of Gibeah. You know what that is? That's the hill of God. He was sent to a mountain to take back, to challenge, to bring down the enemy that had encroached where God, the, the mountain of God. Same thing that's going on here. Jesus says, we have got to get to a place where we realize our authority is greater than, and the only way that happens is when we realize who we are and what our kingdom assignment is. So, do you want anointing? How many want some anointing? Okay. The anointing of God comes upon you for the assignment of God. So the question is, what is your kingdom assignment? Sounds like relaunch, doesn't it? If we can get a handle on how God's been building in our lives, how he's been working in our lives to get us to where he wants us to be for the purposes he has for our life, guess what? It might feel a little scary, but it'll be the most fun you've ever had in your life because you will be doing what you were created to do. Okay? You'll be joining God and doing things God's way. That's the kingdom of God. And so as these problems are popping up all around you, be thinking, you know, these problems are really opportunities in the form of problems. And so look at it as saying, okay, God, where do you want me to go? Because see, I think God is raising up Daniels. I think he's raising up uh, Deborah's. I think he's raising up uh, Gideon's. I think he's raising up Joshua's. He's raising up all kinds of folks who are going to step into their destiny. It's a great day to be an apostolic person. You know, we were at, uh, in this room a few weeks ago at our uh, a rally night, and I was, I was teaching on Nehemiah, and, and, and I heard the Lord say very clearly, Joel, Joel Lowry has an anointing as a Nehemiah pastor, he has the ability to build a church the way it's supposed to be built. But it's because he also has an anointing like the men of Issachar who understood the times and knew what they should do. Can I tell you what? I, I'll follow a guy like that who understands the times and knows what to do, who knows how to build a church God's way by getting everyone in the game. That'd be a good time for an amen right there, okay? Can I tell you, we're blessed to be in such a time as this. But I, I look out and I think, oh my goodness, if you guys just knew how incredible you are and all that God wants to do through you, wouldn't it be wonderful at the end of our lives we had no regrets? No regrets that we went for it. And uh, I, I think that's what God's doing. So let's talk a little bit about um, how, how, does, how does the devil control nations. You know, the, good com the great commission is to go and make disciples of all nations, right? 
So can we get our eyes bigger than just how, how to reach our neighbor across the street for a minute? How do we reach nations? Because see, there's some of you in here that are called to reach nations. See, can I tell you, the devil doesn't come up with a lot of new strategy. And it's back to the garden. The same stuff that he did in the garden, he's still doing today. And you know what that is? He's a liar and the father of lies. He's an accuser. He's an adversary. He's a deceiver, okay? That's how he still works. He gets us through lies. And so he controls the thinking, our thinking or all thinking through lies, and he deceives rulers. I tell you, you'll, you'll look at people differently if you just see, ah, there's, there's a lie here somewhere. And then what he does is he adapts the deception to the culture's bias. You know what I mean? We have all kinds of biases in our culture, okay? Our culture is very different than other cultures. You go overseas and you'll find cultures that their strongholds are very different than ours here in America. What, what would you think are probably some of our strongest, biggest strongholds in America? Money. Materi anybody agree with money, materialism? What else? Comfort. Yeah, absolutely. So if the, if the enemy's going to go after us, how is he going to go after us? He's going to go after those, those areas, right? He, he's going to make us feel like we don't have enough. We can't keep up with one another. We're not comfortable enough. We, whatever. And so he begins to, to go after that thing until he gets to a place where the lie is in sync with the environment, with the culture, and then it becomes a belief system. Hello? It's hard to go against a materialistic uh, mindset, isn't it? It's hard to go against a comfort mindset. What, those are the things that will keep most of us off mission, right? And so it, it's first of all recognizing that what, what God is saying to us might look very different or counterculture to what our culture is saying. And so he's calling us to go to those areas where the enemy has built strongholds on the mountains and to go to the gates of those mountains and take authority, right? The gates of Hades, he said, that's where I want you. I want you in places like that because that's what I wanna see restored. I wanna see those strongholds come down so that our country and the whole world can be free to enter into the fullness of the kingdom of God, amen? But that only happens as each person does their part, okay? And so your part, you might say, well, my part's not big. Can I tell you, your part is your part. And if everybody does their part, It'll be amazing what has happened. You know, we've, we've got one, this is our lap, and we need to run our part of the race right and well, don't we? So let's look at some of the strongholds that uh, Lance Wallnow and others have named, and, and there's seven major strongholds, and I wanna look at them because I think they really are strongholds, gateways that the enemy has, has planted himself. And the first one is the church, right? Would you, would you agree the church is not as powerful as she could be and should be? Why is the church not as powerful as she could be and should be? We could talk all day on that, but can I tell you, can I, can I just offer that one of the reasons is 
the, the stronghold of a religious spirit. Do you know what I mean by that? It, it, it you know, kind of kind of looks like Jesus, kind of sounds like Jesus, quotes the Bible a little bit like Jesus, but it's not Jesus. Hello? Any of you ever grow up in a church like that? You just kind of go through the motions, you put a five in the plate, you punch your ticket, and you just, you feel good about it somehow, but you have no encounter with Jesus. You don't know Jesus at all. You might mention him in Jesus' name or whatever, but can I tell you, or it could even be that, that Jesus was at one time recognized, but now he's just kind of memorialized. He's monumentalized, and the cloud has moved on. Jesus has moved on, but the church has not moved on. Thank God for Pastor Joel and Lauren and for our team leaders here at Sozo because we are not going to stag become stagnant. We're going to move with the cloud. Amen? Amen? Another mountain is the mountain of family. Family, the iniquity of fathers being passed down, fragmenting as a family, uh, a, instead of a covenant-centered family, husband, wife, in one one flesh relationship, uh, hearing God for their families has now become a very child-centered um, situation where children run the family, parents have abdicated their authority, shame, fear, anxiety, doubt, worry, all those things come in the way and the family is in difficult situation, right? That's a mountain where the enemy has come in. Uh, how about the mountain of education? Education, all kinds of intellectual unbelief and bullying. 70% of American education system is dominated by extreme unbelief in God. That's a mountain where the enemy has encamped. But the Lord says, no, I want to take it back. I want to take it back through you. Fourth mountain is the mountain of government. We have election coming up in just a few days. I don't know that I need to say a whole lot more here. We need to have God's people doing God's stuff in our country. Remember what we said, um, the kingdom of God is God's way of doing things? We need to be the people of God doing things God's way. What about media? Media is the vehicle of, for truth-telling, right? Sometimes. The media is so powerful, we need to have people who will tell the truth, who will be honest who will, whoever controls the media controls whether truth goes forward or a distortion of the truth goes forward. The enemy is encroached. What about the mountain of arts and entertainment? You know, that's the medium of entertainment, whether it be music or whether it be um, motion pictures, whether it be athletics, Man, the arts and entertainment rule our country, don't they? That's a stronghold. That's a major thing. And the question is, how is that shaping the dialogue of culture? I guarantee most of us, you, I can talk to anybody who walks in, don't know them at all, and I can talk to them a little bit about pop culture, talk to them a little bit about entertain, enter, entertainment or arts or whatever all day long. It's the entryway to dialogue. It is that ingrained in us. And it needs to be ingrained for the kingdom of God. Amen. And finally, business. Whoever controls the money, whoever controls economy, banking, or whatever, those are the power brokers of our culture. Every, every nation on the earth, every city on earth is discipled and shaped by these seven mountains. 
I want you to stand with me. And we're just gonna close our time by just making some declarations. And here's what I want you to do as you stand. We come to the mountain that's yours, I want you just to raise your hand and go. And then at the end of what I say, I'll just say a few sentences. I want you to join me with, I will stand at my gate. Okay? If you believe, if you mean that, I will stand at my gate because the gates of hell will not prevail against us, amen? We'll start with the church gate. If that's you, raise your hand, okay? Keep your hand up. I'll declare the un, I declare the undiluted gospel that Jesus is Lord. He saves, heals, delivers, restores, and makes me whole. I will not tolerate a lesser representation or lie that distorts the goodness of God. Now join me. I will stand at my gate. If you're in the family gate, I want you to lift your hand. And you can lift your hand more than once if you want to stand in multiple gates. In the family gate, I will stand on the truth that our Heavenly Father is restoring broken families, bringing prodigals back home, and laying a new kingdom foundation for covenant-centered homes. I will not tolerate a lesser representation or lie that distorts the goodness of God's plan for family. Now join me. I will stand at my gate. Education, any teachers, anyone for education? I will stand for the truth. I will represent accuracy and integrity as I model a love paradigm that lifts and encourages others to do, to become all God created them to be. I will not tolerate a lesser representation or lie that distorts the goodness of God. Now join me. I will stand by my gate. Government, lift your hands if government is your, your gate. I will stand for righteousness, justice, reconciliation, and truth. I will model a love paradigm instead of a, a power paradigm. I will endeavor to be a peacemaker and unifier. I will not tolerate a lesser representation or lie that distorts the goodness of God. Join me. I will stand at my gate. Media, I will stand for truth-telling in all ventures of media. I will model a love paradigm instead of a power paradigm that promotes positivity instead of negativity. I will tolerate, I will not tolerate a lesser representation or lie that distorts the goodness of God. Join me, I will stand at my gate. Arts and entertainment, I will champion the shaping of the dialogue of culture by standing for entertainment and art that is tasteful, lovely, pure, excellent, and worthy of praise. I will not tolerate a lesser representation or lie that distorts the goodness of God. I will stand at my gate. And lastly is business. If you're in the business gate, please lift your hand. I will model honesty and integrity in all of my business dealings. I will live from a love paradigm instead of a power paradigm, sowing my resources generously into the kingdom of God. I will not tolerate a lesser representation or lie that distorts the goodness of God. Now join me, I will stand at my gate. 
Father, we ask for a release of your anointing upon your people. Father, for the kingdom assignment that you've given them. And Lord, we receive. We receive deeply and obediently. In Jesus' name, amen.